I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Mini Pod for March the 16th, 2021. I appreciate you joining me for another episode of Mini Pod. It's, uh, it's my typical time. It's after one o'clock in the morning. Uh, this would be Tuesday. And for those of you that have been following a mini pod for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that uh, much of what I've been talking about has been focused on liberals trying to cancel everything that they can in American society. Um, I, I think that's in an attempt to remake America into what they think this country should and act like going forward. While, in my opinion, the move so fundamentally rewrites the laws and standards, if you will, for America, this, this all started several years ago while their most revered leader was in office, Barack Obama. Now, some people may argue that it, it started much sooner than that, but I think it became more exaggerated uh, during the Obama years because, well, for one, for those of us that were uh, Republicans, conservatives, conservatives, if you will, um, any opposition that we had to Barack Obama was was blamed on our racist attitude that we did not like Barack Obama because he was black. That was their focus on any disagreement we had with Barack Obama. We everybody in the country was supposed to welcome him with open arms because it was a historical event and he was the right guy to lead America. Well, that would have meant that conservatives and Republicans would have had to completely abandon their, their own principles and their own ideals, the things that they um, felt like were the best best ideas and best issues and best policies for this country, we would have had to throw them out the window because none of that was uh, embraced by Barack Obama. But yet, you know, liberals and Democrats, left wing, if you will, everybody felt like that uh, the only reason, again, that, that conservatives and Republicans didn't support Barack Obama had to be of a racial nature. How about that? So to me, that's when I first really started noticing that everything that they said about people on the right, uh, people, conservatives, was negative. And it had to be based on just our attitude about race in this country. Of course, if you'll remember further back, uh, George Bush, they really didn't say a whole lot of nice things about George Bush and they attacked him not quite as constantly as they did Donald Trump, but they still attacked him all the time. And then of course, if it wasn't something to do with the Gulf war, it was about home policies and so forth. But really, um, George Bush didn't fight back. So, they never really could step it up to the next level because, you know, if somebody doesn't engage you on your, on your radical ideals and issues and they're not going to fight back. Well, then it, it kind of takes the wind out of your sails and it eventually becomes bullying if they're not going to fight you back. Well, then they got um, Barack Obama in there and then the world was wonderful for eight years. And then they get this radical, street fighter named Donald Trump. And they just kind of constantly fed each other because he wasn't going to take insults lying down. So they tossed him back and forth. So I, I think in my opinion, under Donald Trump, then things just escalated to the next level because they already engaged in battles with Donald Trump and the right so um, his fighting them back, uh, uh, you know, not taking a punch without throwing a punch just gave them more room to go ahead and start throwing 
different kinds of punches at conservatives and Republicans alike. Under Barack Obama, I think the, the extremist liberals started out trying to attack just a few issues in the American culture. I think just enough to make a point, but yet not enough to show their hand to the masses about what their master plan was. Um, but they had some skirmishes here and there. But honestly, considering what happened from 2016 through 2020, that was child's play. I think up until early last year, uh, one of the things that stuck out in my mind was the happy holiday revolution that that happened uh, several years ago. And that seemed to be one of the most famous victims of the culture war, at least in my memory. Um, and that's taking taking the Confederate flags and monuments out of the out of the equation because that there's been a, a kind of a stepped up battle towards those for years. But, but as far as mainstream America is concerned, the happy holiday revolution seemed to really be a bold move to try to uh, say American culture is wrong and we, we need to start changing things now. Um, but then, you know, after 2016, it seemed like everything was was fair play. Uh, kind of started out with the kneeling on the football field. Uh, that's one of the first high-profile things in, in my memory. Um, and then, of course, it escalated from that. And, of course, there were some issues that happened in the country that made some other things step to the forefront as well. But but then, uh, then they started on monuments, and then they started talking about the founding fathers of the country and George Washington um, and Thomas Jefferson and, and uh, the negatives about them and why, why America shouldn't have them in such a high position of prominence because they were um, grassroots racist at heart because they owned slaves or they supported slavery or this or that. And um, so they started trying to knock those founding fathers down a few notches. And, and I think it was in preparation of, of what they they wanted to continue doing and, and, and so they could step it up. But it finally escalated to names of schools and other public buildings and parks and uh, it's a naming of streets. I mean, everything, the name of everything in this country, uh, that was, had some prominence was fair game for the liberals. And they started moving towards getting a lot of that stuff changed. They even worked on the curriculum and, and the K through 12 schools. And of course, you know, some would argue that they've been working on the colleges and the universities for years and, and pretty much liberal, liberalized them to the point where conservatives and, and many, many universities across the country are, are in such um, low numbers on campus that a lot of times you know, they, they can't, they're not even free to let their political leanings be known or even their social leanings because they're outnumbered. So like I say, a lot of political experts say that the colleges and universities in this country, uh, you know, started transforming years ago. Well, if all that wasn't enough, they finally decided, well, now we need to start working on books and publications. Um, probably even, you know, of course, news shows and so forth as well, because, uh, because of Fox News for so many years uh, really stood on the side of defending most of the things of the Trump administration. There were a few liberal um commentators on fox over the years but 
they were in the minority there. And so, you know, Fox News became one of those institutions that was um, criticized and really got to the point last year uh, that people started taking uh, talking about taking them out, that they they don't deserve to be on there because of their support of these conspiracy theories and these extreme ideals of Donald Trump and his, his minions, <laughs> what, whatever you know, they've been called worse than that, but also movies to a certain extent. And I think, um, movies, I don't really remember them being a big issue maybe one here and there that came out, especially if it was some movie that was put out by some conservative that was meant to shed light on certain uh, wrongdoings of the uh, liberal side of the equation. But uh, now, because they've been so successful in attacking books and getting uh, people with lucrative book deals in process, getting them canceled, you know, when they start assassinating their, their character because of their, uh, support of Donald Trump. Uh, now they're focusing on movies and it's not so much adult movies that they're going after. They're going after stuff for children, basically, even though arguably a lot of children based movies, uh, are popular with some adults too, especially parents. Um, so, you know, the latest casualties now that they've partially silenced Dr. Seuss. And I say that because they only, uh, at least at this point have only, uh, kind of, um, gotten rid of six of Dr. Seuss's books. Um, but who knows if they may continue searching enough, they, they may, uh, expand their, their criteria for, uh, racist thoughts and racist images and, uh, end up taking out some more Dr. Seuss's books, but they've also canceled Pepe Le Pew, uh, the cartoon character, the skunk, you know, that was always enamored with this particular female cat and, uh, was always hugging the cat and squeezing the cat and, and trying to romance the cat. Um, you know, and it's amazing that they're after a cartoon character when they have a real life character in the governor's mansion in New York's in New York state. And, um, and although a lot of people now on the Democrat side are, are calling for him to, to step down, to resign, um, broad base wise, I don't know if there's a lot of Democrats that are of that same opinion right now, especially outside of New York state itself. I haven't heard of many people in Hollywood, which always seem to be the first ones to step in and, and criticize some re Republican uh, political figure in this country. When something is, uh, if they're accused of something, they're, one of the first ones to jump in there and, and talk about their removal or their silencing or, or putting them in jail or whatever. But, uh, I, I have not seen too much criticism of Cuomo, uh, from people in Hollywood. But anyway, so Pepe Le Pew, Speedy Gonzalez, uh, you know, uh, a rat that can run real fast or mouse, I guess I may, I, maybe he's a mouse and not a rat. Seems like uh, a mouse is a more endearing character than a rat, but, uh, they're after speedy Gonzalez, even though a lot of Hispanic groups are coming out in support of speedy Gonzalez. And, uh, it, the, it is voiced by a Hispanic and, um, and a lot of uh, Hispanic groups have said that we're not offended by this. So why are you trying to take it out? Mr. Potato Head and the Muppets. And I haven't, I know the story about Mr. Potato Head, how that's offensive. Um, and but the Muppets, I'm not sure. I haven't heard what's wrong with the Muppets. But so anyway, with all of those things that they've done, 
now they're targeting some classic Disney children's movies. Okay. And, and we're talking about some old stuff here too. Uh, a little new, but some old stuff. And I'm sure they're just getting started on Disney movies, but I was looking at this article. Uh, it's, uh, from next star media wire, and it was posted on March the 9th in 2021. And it was also reposted by that's KTLA.com. So it's a TV station out in Los Angeles. But the article says that Disney Plus has removed access for children under seven to several movies, including Dumbo, Peter Pan, The Aristocats, and Swiss Family Robinson from the children's profiles on its service. Um, and I'm not that familiar with Disney. We decided not to take Disney since we don't have any small kids, but um, I, I guess there's a, a, a profile that you can have for young children and, and then evidently anything uh, under seven, they've blocked these movies be, from being accessed by them. Although I, I can't see how their parents couldn't go in there and, and play them for them. Um, but the reason given was over negative depictions and stereotypes in these movies. And, and I'm going to go through these four here in just a minute because um, all but one, you know, are pretty much near and dear to my heart uh, growing up, especially. But it, it goes on to say that adults with a Disney plus accounts can still access the films with the content warnings which appear on the screen for about 10 or 12 seconds uh, before the unedited content starts, they say. Uh, that content advisory reads in part, this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. All right, Disney. I don't know if Walt would have agreed with you if he were still here today, but anyway, it goes on to say it directs viewers who want to learn more to the stories matter section of disney.com. So I guess there's a, there's a area in there where you can go and it'll tell you why certain things are being, um, uh, treated in such a manner. But according to the section of Disney's website, the decision on those, uh, four movies I just mentioned was based on the following reasons. So I'm going to go, through these four movies. And I'm going to give you the reason that they're saying they have been removed uh, from access to children under seven. Now, Dumbo, I didn't realize that movie was as old as it, as it is. Although there was a remake, I believe a year or two ago, didn't do, do well at all, I think. And it was with the CGI and everything. I think people had big expectations about it, but anyway, this is about the original version. So they go on to say the crows and musical number that's uh, that pays homage to racist minstrel shows where white performers with blackened faces and tattered clothing imitate and ridiculed enslaved Africans on Southern plantations. Now, if you haven't seen the Dumbo movie, the crows are, um, well, that's just exactly what they are. They're black crows and they do sing. And honestly, I haven't seen that movie in <laughs> over 30 years. And so I can't really recall everything that they're referencing here, but I do remember the crows singing in the movie. And, um, you know, it, it can actually be a sad movie. Uh, the, the story of Dumbo is it kind of break your heart in, in places. But anyway, Evidently, the crows are offensive in this movie. Um, but anyway, it said, where white performers with blackened faces and tattered clothing imitated and 
ridiculed enslaved Africans on Southern plantations. So that's their reasoning about that. But it goes on to say there was another portion in the movie that they have a problem with. And the leader of the group of crows in Dumbo is Jim Crow, which shares the name of laws that enforce racial segregation in the Southern United States. Now, you know, who's to say, I, I don't know if there's anyone alive today that can say why this movie was formatted the way that it was in 1941. Um, you know, I, I, it's the fact that they use the, uh, the name Jim Crow in the movie probably could be offensive if, if there was someone who put that in there for those reasons to be offensive or a kind of a tongue in cheek uh, against uh, a racial element in this country. That's kind of hard to believe, but then it's 1941. And like I said, I, I doubt seriously if there's anybody alive today that could even uh, verify that one way or the other. Obviously Walt Disney's not around anymore. So um, what you have is people sitting around and guessing why this came down the way that it did and why it was put together the way it was. Um, so those are the reasons they're giving for getting rid of Dumbo. If you don't know the movie, it's about a, a baby elephant that, that can fly and learns to fly in this movie. And, um, but like I said, it, it's, it's a sad movie, uh, and, and most part about the elephant and his life. But, um, you know, they've looked past that and they've looked at that issue. The next movie is Peter Pan. Okay. 1953 version of Peter Pan, which um, it says that the film portrays native people in a stereotypical manner that reflects neither the diversity of native peoples nor their authentic cultural traditions. It shows them speaking in an unintelligible language and repeatedly refers to them as redskins, an offensive term. Peter and the lost boys engage in dancing and wearing headdresses and other exaggerated tropes, I believe is the word. <laughs> I think it's tropes. Um, which is uh, mannerisms of, of, of a particular group of people. So, um, you know, I again, that, that's one of those movies, and I'm not sure, I, I think they're talking about the cartoon, because, uh, and I, I didn't realize the date of that cartoon was 1953 either, so... That was kind of a surprise, but it's a cartoon. The story about Peter Pan. I wonder, I wonder if they're going to apply that to the one where Robin Williams did the remake when he did, uh, you know, Hook back what, 20 years ago now. Uh, because it was along a similar line. I mean, it still portrayed the kids and they, some of them acted as Indians and you had Rubio and, uh, Rufio, Rubio, <laughs> I think it Marco Rubio, Rufio. So again, people are judging something that was made, uh, in 1953 and 1941 by today's standards. And it's, it's, you know, I, I guess they haven't picked on the book, but, uh, I don't know why. All right, next one, Swiss Family Robinson. It was made in 1960, and I remember it very well. And I remember going to the movie and, and watching it, and I, t I have to tell you that that was one of my favorite movies. Um, it just it seemed like even though they were shipwrecked, the family shipwrecked en route to where they were, were trying to go. I think they were trying to go to New Guinea, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, they were shipwrecked on an Island, but 
what they did with the building the treehouse and and the way they 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 created all these things a, a means to survive on this island um was such a neat story especially for a young kid at that time and um but the, but liberals who are looking at this now have found something wrong with that so they go on to say that the pirates who antagonize the robinson family are portrayed as stereotypical foreign menace. Okay. If you know anything about the story, the pirates realize these people are there and they're attacking them. Now, in, in, a, in one of those uh, mild violent situations that, that was so um, prominent in Disney films, if they had any violence, it was always uh, you know, real mild, but these are pirates attacking these, this family. And so they, they're complaining because these pirates are being portrayed as stereotypical foreign menace. Well, I'm sorry. They weren't American pirates. They weren't white pirates, but, um, you know, all right. So it goes on to say that many appear in yellow face or brown face and are consumed, or I'm sorry, costumed in an exaggerated and an inaccurate manner with top knot hairstyles, uh, cues, robes, and overdone facial makeup and jewelry, reinforcing their barbarism and otherness otherness and i had to, i had to look that crap up because otherness i mean somebody's going to complain about otherness is a, is a thing so otherness is the quality or facet of being different okay people they're supposed to be freaking different they're pirates there's a family it's a family i believe they were if i'm not mistaken they were from england uh, I could be wrong about that. They could, since it says Swiss family, uh, honestly, now I'm having thinking about it. I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, they speak English. They're white, lily white. So these pirates are supposed to be different. Were they supposed to have some English pirates come in and attack them or, or some Swiss pirates come in and attack them? No. These were pirates that are roaming around that part of the world, which were more than likely were not going to be white. But this is, this is a criticism because of their otherness. And then they want to talk about their, their costumes. Well, good Lord. I mean, it was, it was a, uh, a depiction of pirates that, and, and again, this, this wasn't meant to be a factual movie. Uh, how many movies take uh, license to, you know, to change people's appearances? And, and even though they may not be uh, critically accurate based on whoever they're trying to portray, but, but that's an issue because they had overdone facial makeup and jewelry. I, I don't even remember the makeup. I mean, you know, it, since it was a movie that was popular with, with young kids and families, and I'm not talking about three and four year olds, but uh, it was a family movie, something you could go to go to see with your family. Nobody ended up dying. Nobody gets killed. I hope that's not a spoiler alert if you've never seen it. Um, it has a it has a great ending. It has a happy ending. It has a uh, a message ending about family. The whole movie is about family and an adversity. And what people can do when when they stick together and and try to accomplish something, yet instead of taking that that message, they turn it into we want to start critiquing the freaking characters in the movie. Well, the pirates look like that they're angry, stereotypical foreign people. I I I can't imagine. I'd love to sit in a room with three or four people of that mindset and sit there and watch a movie and, and have them start spouting that crap off to me. I'd love to have that conversation with somebody who has come up with this on this particular one. This one I have a problem with more so 
um, than with Dumbo and, and their, their complaint about the crows. Um, I'm still on the edge about Peter Pan too. I hate to tell you, but that one I, I have a, a problem with as well. All right. The last one, aristocrats. I never did see it. It came out in 1970. Um, and their complaint is the Siamese cat Shungon is depicted as a racist character of East Asian peoples with exaggerated stereotypical traits such as slanted eyes and buck teeth. He sings in poorly accented English voice by a white actor and plays the piano with chopsticks. Well, I think that would be pretty neat if you could play a piano with chopsticks. But uh, so does that mean every movie that portrays Asians with chopsticks is racist? I, you know, I, I don't know. That's a, I think that's a legitimate question. Uh, as far as the slanted eyes and the buck teeth, I don't really remember that, but we're, we are talking about a cartoon and, and most cartoons tend to exaggerate the characters in the cartoons. I don't think they try to, of course, we're talking about a singing cat. We're talking about characters that are animals. <laughs> um, I don't know. Exaggerated characters, overdone makeup, and heavens forbid that you would make a pirate seem barbaric. I mean, how counter historical is that? I mean, what, what, what are we? What of our our standards when we're doing um, cartoon like movies? When we're doing animated movies? I mean, it used to be if you didn't like something, you just wouldn't watch it. You know, you you have that right in this country to say this isn't for me. I don't want to this. You know, I'm not going to watch this. But for some reason, uh, we've got a group of people in this country now that are not content with just not watching or participating themselves. They also want to to restrict what everyone else in this country watches and gets and gets to do because they're the standard bearers they're the ones that get to decide because you know they're not racist they're they're not um you know all they want to do is make things fair and equal for everybody so um you know now they get to decide what what the rest of us get to watch so i don't know what kind of freedom that is I think if you had if you had something that was put out today that was blatantly racist and especially lied, told lies and and falsehoods, that you know you might have grounds for trying to um, try to silence that. Although in in a free society, people are supposed to be able to make and say and do whatever they want to do as long as you don't harm anybody else. And there's nothing in our constitution that I'm aware of that says we have a right not to be offended in this country. And I, you know, there's no doubt there's a lot of offensive people in this country, but you can't, you can't control that. The only thing that you can control is your participation. But now they're not, they're not, satisfied with controlling their participation. They want to move on and control everybody else. I got to say that based on the complaints of the above movies, they might as well remove every movie that made from the silent films all the way through. Well, where would you stop? I mean, I've seen movies in the last 20 years that might fall under the scrutiny of some of these things that they've just picked for these four. If you're going to complain about a movie putting race or ethnic groups in an exaggerated or an unflattering manner, well, you might as well go ahead and get and cancel all of the Tyler Perry's Medea movies. 
I mean, you can't tell me that that the characters, all the characters in those Medea movies are put in a flattering light or they're not being made fun of. Oh, but that's, that's right. That doesn't really count because those movies weren't made by white supremacists. What about Mel Brooks? I mean, good Lord. If, if you've, and, and some of you that listen to this podcast may have never seen a Mel Brooks movie. It may be way too old for you. Uh, I would suggest if you're easily offended, especially uh, about ethnicity or race, you probably don't want to watch Blazing Saddles. And I'm surprised that, that Mel Brooks movies aren't on that list. But uh, maybe they, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff for them to get to. So maybe they just haven't had time yet. And what about just almost any cop TV show ever made uh, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000? Are those safe? Are those right? Well, you know, and again, maybe they just haven't gotten to them yet. Where does it stop? Who gets to decide what is acceptable and what is not? It used to be we got to decide what is acceptable for ourselves, and we had the right to participate or not. I saw uh, a critique of the uh, the Grammys that were on, I believe, Sunday night, which I haven't watched in years. But it's funny. Somebody was commenting you know, these people on the left, uh, these cancel culture folks are offended by so much of these things that we've, we've talked about in the last few weeks and they keep finding more and more things that they, they're offended by yet by these people who evidently watch some or all of the, the Grammys said that, uh, that uh, a lot of it was offensive to them and it was garbage. So it's funny that the people that are creating garbage, you know, which is in somebody else's opinion, okay, doesn't mean that it is garbage. That's that's up. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We used to have that right. And we used to have a right to say, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to go there. If that restaurant doesn't treat me right, I'm not going to go back. I don't want to try to close it down. I don't want to shut it down. If they mistreat enough people, eventually it'll go out of business. If somebody makes a movie that that is that enough people don't like, then eventually it'll disappear. And it'll be in the little rack at Walmart for $2.50. But that doesn't mean somebody should have a right to to get it banned where nobody could buy it. I mean, and that's, this is in a country that, you know, porn is pretty popular, but yet it's okay to have those images and make those movies that, that are really offensive to a, a good portion of the country, at least some of them. <laughs> and yet again, they get to, they want to be the ones to decide what everybody else can watch. So the rules don't apply evenly across the board. And that's one of the things that makes this so ridiculous. And I hate to use the word unfair because, you know, I'm, I've been told many times that life doesn't have to be fair. But anyway, that's, that's the take on, on those four issues. And so I'm going to move on to one more thing here. Um, and it, it's, it's a video that I found on Twitter and I don't really, I'm not a big fan of this person, but, um, it's of Bill Maher and, and mainly because Bill Maher has been so offensive towards conservatives and Republicans for a long time, even back with George Bush and 
he talks, he talked about George Bush, like he was an idiot, but I'll have to say there are times that he can be middle of the road. And some of the things that he criticizes can be applied to a lot of people. And he's, it, it's not just Republicans that he's picking on. So this latest, uh, this latest commentary that I, I saw, I believe it was done last Friday night on his show. And, um, he's, he's kind of comparing to where we are right now about worrying about the books, you know, Dr. Seuss and, and, and all these other kid, kid items in this country and canceling things. Uh, and we're taking our eye off the ball. And so he's, his monologue is about that. And I listened to it and, and there is, he does use the F bomb, uh, in the very first sentence, I believe. But after that, it's pretty much clean by uh, Bill Maher's standards. And so I do want to warn you if that's offensive to you, you probably shouldn't listen to this part with Bill Maher, but I think it's, it's a good, it's good representative of, of where we are and the, the idiocy of focusing on these things when there's so many other things wrong in this country that need, need attention rather than worrying about canceling books and movies and, and, uh, statues and, and names of buildings and streets. Okay. And that's his point. And, and on there we have common ground. So I'm going to play this. Um, and that'll be pretty much take us to the end of this episode, but, uh, and I may not pay the whole thing. We'll see how the time goes here. So, um, let me see if I can get that all keyed up here and we'll get into his, his. And finally, new rule, you're not going to win the battle for the 21st century if you are a silly people. And Americans are a silly people. That's the classic phrase from Lawrence of Arabia when Lawrence tells his Bedouin allies that as long as they stay a bunch of squabbling tribes, they will remain a silly people. Well, we're the silly people now. Do you know who doesn't care that there's a stereotype of a Chinese man in a Dr. Seuss book? China. All 1.4 billion of them could give a crouching tiger flying fuck. <laughs> because they're not a silly people. If anything, they are as serious as a prison fight. Look, we all know China does bad stuff. They break promises about Hong Kong autonomy. They put Uyghurs in camps and punish dissent. And we don't want to be that. But it's got to be something between authoritarian government that tells everyone what to do and a representative government that can't do anything at all. In two generations, China has built 500 entire cities from scratch, moved the majority of their huge population from poverty to the middle class, and mostly cornered the market in 5G and pharmaceuticals. Oh, and they bought Africa. <laughs> Their new Silk Road initiative is the biggest infrastructure project in history, indebting not just that continent, but large parts of Asia, Europe, and the Middle East to the people who built their roads, bridges, and ports. If you want to go anywhere in the world these days, you better have a yen for travel. <laughs> yen for travel. Oh, stop it. In China alone, they have 40,000 kilometers of high-speed rail. America has none. <laughs> Our fastest train is the tram that goes around the zoo. <laughs> California wanted to build high-speed rail connecting the entire state, but alas, could not. We're six billion in the hole just trying to finish the track connecting the vital hubs of Bakersfield and Merced. <laughs> One small step for nobody, one giant leap if you're a raisin. <laughs> On a national level, we've been having infrastructure week every week since 2009, but we never do anything. Half the country is having a never-ending woke competition deciding whether Mr. Potato Head has a dick. <laughs> And the other half believes we have to stop the lizard people because they're eating babies. We are a silly people. 
Even when we all agree on something, like getting rid of the penny. No, the inertia, the ass covering, the graft, the lawyers, the cowardice, nothing ever moves in this impacted colon of a country. We see a problem and we ignore it, lie about it, fight about it, endlessly litigate it, sunset clause it, kick it down the road, and then write a bill where a half-assed solution doesn't kick in for 10 years. China, see <laughs> China sees a problem and they fix it. They build a dam. We debate what to rename it. <laughs> That's why their airports look like this and ours look like this. <laughs> in San Francisco, it took 10 years just to get two bus lines through environmental review. The big dig, a tunnel in Boston, took 16 years. And don't get me started on my solar hookup. <laughs> China once put up a 57-story skyscraper in 19 days. They demolished and rebuilt the San Yuan Bridge in Beijing in 43 hours. We binge watch, they binge build. When COVID hit Wuhan, the city built a quarantine center with 4,000 rooms in 10 days, and they barely had to use it because they quickly arrested the spread of the disease. They were back to throwing raves in swimming pools while we were stuck at home surfing the dark web for black market Charmin. We're not losing to China. We lost. The returns just haven't all come in yet. They made robots that check a kid's temperature and got their asses back in school. Most of our kids are still pretending to take Zoom classes while they watch TikTok and their brain cells slowly commit ritual suicide. <laughs> As George Bush once said, is our children learning? <laughs> There is a progressive trend now to sacrifice merit for equity. Colleges are chucking the SAT and ACT test. And in New York, Mayor de Blasio announced merit would no longer decide who gets into the schools for advanced learners, but rather a lottery system. You think China's doing that, letting political correctness get in the way of nurturing their best and brightest? You think Chinese colleges are offering courses in the philosophy of Star Trek, the sociology of Seinfeld, and surviving the coming zombie apocalypse. Those are real, and so is China, and they are eating our lunch. And believe me, in an hour, they'll, they'll be hungry again. All right, that's our show. Like I said, you know, Bill Maher is not one of my favorite people, but I think he was right on there. He hit on all the high spots that make us sound ridiculous. China's doing things while we argue about what to name things. China, uh, you know, <laughs> making sure that their education system, even though it may be strictly controlled, they're still teaching their students things that will help them survive and get ahead in the future. And we're offering courses and, and colleges that are just made for the stupid people that want to say I got a college degree and we're going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. And then, you know, when, when these kids take out loans to take these idiotic courses in college to get that idiotic degree, then now our government is going to forgive those loans so they don't have to pay them back. That's what we do. And I, I like I said, I, Bill Maher is not my, I'm not a big fan of his, but he was right on there. And and when you say something right, regardless of where you stand politically, I'm going to give you a hand. So anyway, with that note, I'm going to end this session tonight. Uh, I hope you will join us uh, tonight. Uh, we'll be back with Trice Talk Live at 11 p.m. Uh, Dennis Lee is still going to be out uh, tonight, I believe. And, uh, but Eric Kirk will be filling in for him and maybe we'll have, uh, one or two others that come in and, and share some conversation with us tomorrow night. But, um, 
Thanks for listening to Trice Talk Mini Pod, everybody. Stay safe. Yeah.